Welcome to the Wellspring Community Church Podcast, where we exist to help real people find real hope in a real world. We hope today's message encourages you. Let's get into today's episode. Well, good morning, Wellspring Church. Regardless of how it's gone so far, I'm up here. We're going to bring God's word and he's going to show up because he's faithful. Amen. So that's all that matters. My name is Pastor Brian. I am our next gen pastor. Uh, and I just want to share with you, a lot of you don't know, but I am married, but a lot of you don't know who to. So Cheyenne, can you come out here real quick? So this is my wife, Cheyenne. As you can see, I married up. She makes me look good, but I wanted to introduce her and I together because a lot of times we just pass each other and you're like, oh, that was your wife. So now you can start to put the connection with my better half who takes care of me always and I love you. I just wanted you to know that we're married and she is amazing. So today I am going to talk to you about... We are starting this series called Merry and Bright. So all throughout December, we are going to be discussing, comparing and contrasting feelings and emotions and different responses that we have during Christmas season, right? We just came out of this Thanksgiving. We're supposed to be thankful and we're going through all this stuff. How many of you after, you know, crazy Uncle Gary and grandpa's political conversations at the dinner table and turkey being burned, how many of you think you're family is not just in chaos or you're pretty happy with where you are right now, right? Sometimes you just get to gauge what that looks like over at Thanksgiving dinner table. Um, regardless, we go into this Christmas season when it should be merry and bright. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of our Savior. The whole reason for our coming to church is our belief in Jesus. And we're, we're getting ready to celebrate the birth, but we get so distracted. We get so caught up in the things that have to happen. We get so uh, caught off guard and different things. So today we want to talk about calm or anxious. So I want you to get a picture in your mind and be honest with yourself. Do you feel like you're a calm person? And maybe you look like this picture here. Just everything's taken care of. Hi, how you doing? Good to see you. Just calm, cool, and collected, not a care in the world. Or do you get into this Christmas season by thinking of all that has to happen, and maybe you feel a little more like this picture? Right? And, and how many of you have no idea who this actor is that we're showing? If you don't, that you're probably younger than me, and that's a problem because this is one of the best movies. So... Some of us just don't know how to respond, and maybe we do feel like we're pulling our hair out. We're just not sure what it looks like today. So how do you, how do you wake up in the morning? Did you, you wake up at 2 o'clock because you're constantly reeling on all the things that have to take place and what you have to get done and how you're going to get from A to B and where the kids got to go? Or maybe you, you deal with anxiety the opposite way where you woke up but you've just laid in bed and you've stayed in bed till after 10 o'clock because I'm just paralyzed by all the things that have to get done. I have no idea how to accomplish, so I just lay here in fear that I'm not gonna get anything done and I can't even move. Some people deal with those in both ways with anxiety. Maybe you're not even here right now. 
Maybe you're already thinking of what has to get done this afternoon and the errands and the lunch and then tomorrow getting the kids ready. Like maybe you're already distracted. Maybe you're already feeling anxious about what has to happen today. So we want to talk about this and I'm going to give you a quick 17 point message to explain my purpose. How many of you got anxious when I said 17 points? You're like, what the, how am I going to keep up? My note card's not big enough. So we're going to talk about calm or anxious today. But let's first identify this term. And in, in Webster's Dictionary, anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. It's also defined as an intense, excessive, and persistent worry or fear about everyday situations. Intense and excessive worry or fear. And those of us that deal with anxiety, that's reality, right? Like this is that feeling in me that I'm not sure how to move or respond, but I know that there's something on the inside that just isn't dealing with me right. It is a real and overwhelming feel, feeling that is simply our body's response to every day that says, hey, there's probably something in you that needs some healing or needs some attention. Similar to a smoke detector in your house, okay? So the smoke detector is designed to let you know and let you be aware that there is something going on in the house. But even with a smoke detector, we know that there are degrees of severity, right? The smoke detector is gonna do the same thing. For instance, maybe you're making pizza for the kids and you left that thing in there and you turn the oven on and the smoke detector goes off and really all that's alarming you of is that you forgot to clean the turkey gravy out of the oven from last week and you just haven't gotten around to it and that joker's burning now. Is that a real cause for calling the fire department and, and taking immediate response? No, that's just, I didn't get around to it. And now the alarm is letting me know that something needs attention. On the other hand, there are some real alarms that that smoke detector is gonna make the same sound. However, there are flames coming out of the wall from behind that outlet in the living room. The, the, the living room is engulfed and it is time to immediately evacuate and call the fire department to come get some immediate assistance, right? So that smoke detector is telling me the same thing, but it depends on the severity. Anxiety in our life may feel the same way. Sometimes it's just a response to say, hey, something needs some attention, or sometimes it's a response to say, you need immediate attention now. But our minds will roll these scenarios in our heads and get us to think that it's really a lot bigger than what it actually is. So if any of you watch the show, This Is Us, my wife and I love that show. It's so, it's amazing. We love that show. But they play this game in that show called Worst Case Scenario. For instance, maybe this is you. Maybe you woke up yet last week at some point in the morning and you said, okay, if I don't get the house clean between school pickup and soccer practice. The kids are going to get home. We're not going to have any food on the table. My daughter's going to get upset. She's going to run away and I may never see her again. Is that realistic? But do we allow our minds to go to these worst places sometimes? Sometimes it's that drastic in our thought process 
that we don't know how to deal with it. We've got these anxiety moments, but we play this out to the nth degree when there's a better way to deal with it. So hopefully today, you'll get to take a look at anxiety in your life and discover how to deal with this feeling as son and daughter of the king. Not as Gary or Bryce or Tony or Nancy or Tracy, not as the individual, but as the way we're supposed to respond as sons and daughters of a most high king. Anxiety is a real emotion. So how do we begin to deal with that? Because regardless of where you find yourself on that spectrum, regardless of whether it's just a nagging thing that I don't really bother me a whole lot, or it's something that I need immediate evacuation response right now, regardless of where you find yourself on that spectrum, the reality is that anxiousness is not a character attribute of our heavenly father, do you agree? God is not anxious. He's not nervous, he's not fearful. He's not uh, presented with moments and situations that he doesn't know how to respond or doesn't know how they're going to walk out. He has already been there, he has already seen it. So if it's not a character attribute of the one who made us, then it shouldn't be a character attribute of the one who is carrying the very nature of God, you son or daughter, do you agree with me? It shouldn't be. But the enemy is crafty and he wants to get us off course. But the Bible instructs us, instructs us out of God's word, the truth of his nature and character that says, do not be anxious. So if you find yourself in that category, let me just start the message by saying, guess what? There's hope. Because if the word says don't be anxious, that means it's attainable. Amen? That means you can get there. That means it doesn't have to be debilitating. That means his promise says that I don't have to carry this out. So at the very least, know that there is hope that God has a plan. If he gives us this charge in the word, then we know that it is possible. So let's explore the possibility of what it looks like to keep calm and trust Jesus. Anybody remember this trendy t-shirt? Do you have a t-shirt to go with it? Someone had posters, bumper stickers, keep calm and trust Jesus. This is dating me a little bit. This is back a little while, um, but that's okay. So we are going to talk about today some practical steps on what this looks like. And when I say practical, I mean in its simplest form because step one is pray. That's a pretty easy one, right? How many of us skip this step? It happens. How great will it be, sons and daughters, when we find ourselves presented with natural circumstances and conditions that give us this feeling that we don't try to do it on our, on our own? That we remember that the first and simplest step is to pray and let the Father in. Being a guy, I get it all too often. Like, I'll just fix it. I'll remove myself from the situation. I'll take care of it. I'll make some phone calls. I got a guy, right? We can handle this. But we find ourselves repeating this pattern that we can't get out of because I didn't take time to pray. The word says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done, and then you will experience God's peace, 
which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as we live in Christ Jesus. It says, don't worry about anything. Other translations say, do not be anxious about anything. So if this is a charge in the word of God, this lines up with all of the other charges that he gives us to love our neighbors, to speak his word, to be uh, proponents of the gospel, to further the kingdom. These are the same charges. Do not be anxious. He tells us how to navigate this because then we will experience God's peace. So here's what prayer looks like. Prayer opens up a dialogue with the Father because the facts are he already knows. Many of you have, we have friends or family members or a spouse that when they come into the house, when they come into our presence and they're, you know, you can tell something is wrong, right? Guys, you can tell you messed up earlier in the day. I, I did something. I may not know what it is, but I'm sure it was my fault and I did it. But you already know, right? But what is one of the first things that we say, even when we recognize that in someone that we know very closely? Is everything okay? I already know everything ain't okay. It is not good in this house. But my first question is, are you okay? And we're expecting a response. We're expecting to hear what's bothering them. We're expecting them to vocalize what's gone on or what has happened that has caused their demeanor to change. It's the same thing with the Father. He wants a dialogue with us. He wants us to, to let him in to what is really going on. Let him in to what is causing us this fear and anxiety. Let him in. He already knows, but he wants a dialogue. If all we did with our close friends was listen to them talk and we never responded, that would be a pretty long relationship. Like they would just be chirping all the time, just constant, yap, yap, yap. And, and it would be like, well, you haven't even given me an opportunity. Sometimes that's how we are with God. Sometimes our prayer looks like just us spitting out all of these things that we want to change or that we desire, but we don't allow him to talk back because we're doing it real quick. We're just trying to get through it. Or maybe it's a, it's a real catastrophe moment and it's out of desperation. But if all I do is come to him with requests, and I'm not listening for the answers. I've got to come to him. The second part of that says, thank him for all he has done. Guys, he has already done so much in each of our lives. Do you recognize that? Do you see what he's already done? Or do we just, are we so focused on what hasn't been done because of the feeling of the moment that I'm in right now? Right? We find ourselves sometimes like, you haven't taken care of this in this moment. I'm hurting, I'm sad, I'm broken, whatever the case may be. And I forget that he has come through time and time and time again. Prayer looks like thanking him for what he has already done as well. Because he has been so faithful in our lives. But we get these blinders on and we think that right now is the biggest problem that I've ever seen in my life not remembering what he's already done in my life. That helps us to build this relationship with him as we thank him for what he's done, not because he needs it, but because he's deserving of it. 
That's what this relationship looks like through prayer. This builds our faith. When we remind ourselves of how good daddy is, maybe the circumstance today doesn't seem so overwhelming because he's already delivered me from so much. Now I can recall those times and it's like, okay, he'll do it again. But sometimes it's paralyzing in the moment. Sometimes in the moment, the fear takes over and I, I can't even remember that he's a good dad that's come through time and time and time and time and time again. But when we do this and recall what he's already done according to the scripture in Philippians, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. God knows that you're dealing with this. He just wants us to sit with him. He just wants us to take time to be in his presence. Let him know our concerns because that lets him into our world. But the result of this is that he replaces these thoughts. He's able to calm our fears and give us clear minds. The word says in uh, 1 Timothy, I think, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he did give us power, love, and a sound mind. So if he gave us a sound mind, are we operating in that sound mind? Or are we letting our thoughts run away with us? So we've prayed. Step two, we're going to release our burden. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. He promises us that if we will release this burden, that he will give us peace, an easy yoke, and a light burden. How many of you have found yourself weighted down with this burden, and you're trying to carry it on your own? You're trying to muscle through. You're trying to get, I should be better than this. I should be able to handle it. It doesn't matter. He doesn't want you to do it alone, but he promises that his is light and that it's easy to carry. So what releasing this burden requires is an active response to release it. Not just a passive passing thought that says, yeah, I should probably let this go. But an active response to say, God, what I'm dealing with right now is heavy and weighty and I am exhausted for how much I'm carrying it and I need to give it to you. I need to release it. Some of us have such a hard time because this is all we've ever known. My mom was anxious, grandma was anxious. They've dealt with this. It turned into uh, physical uh, characteristics of depression, you know, whatever, the list goes on. But some of us keep a hold of this so tightly that you couldn't pry it from our grip if you tried to, because this is comfortability right? That doesn't mean it's healthy. It just means that I want to hang on to it because it's all I've ever known. The truth is I got the, this thing in such a grip that I don't want to let it go. Some of us wear this anxiety on ourselves like a security blanket because I'm not sure what I would look like without this. I've battled this my entire life or, or whatever the case may be, but I'm not sure what it would who Brian would be if I let this thing off of me. So there's a little bit of fear attached to it. 
attached to releasing this burden because I don't know what it looks like on the other side of it. Some of the battle is just letting go of that fear to say, I know that God's got a bigger plan because we're carrying loads that God never intended for us to carry. There's a reason that he says my burden is, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants us son and daughter to walk in the easy yoke and the light burden, not the heavy ones that we've been carrying. He promises us that he'll do this. So when we put faith in the fact that Jesus died to carry these burdens, we can truly release these at his cross and say, God, this is not desirable that I would be walking in this heavy burden. Will you take this from me? And he's faithful. But we have to put ourselves in a position to release it, right? So he promises that when we do this, though, that our true identity is made in the fact that he can exchange these burdens for easy yokes. That he can exchange what's heavy on us for light. He wants to do this in our lives because he's a good dad that shows up when we call on him. And when we do this, we exchange our anxiety for peace. How many of you be okay with that exchange, right? Anxiety for peace. This isn't some lofty goal. This is the word of God that says you son or daughter can exchange anxiety for peace. And guess what? Here's what it requires. Release. Very simple. It's difficult to navigate through life and through circumstances and conditions. I get that. But it's as simple as praying and releasing. Step three, we have to believe that it can be done for me. We have to believe that his word is truth in John 14, 27, that he says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. That doesn't sound like anxiety. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. He is speaking to our anxiety and letting us know that he has a gift that we can walk through, a gift that we can walk in, but only through him. He's giving it to us. It's a gift. The only, the only condition on a gift is that you receive it. If a gift just sits out there on the table and no one ever does anything with it, it's just a box with nice packaging. It's a gift that you have to receive, you have to open, you have to walk in the gift, and I have to believe that the gift is for me. Jesus promises the gift if we'll believe. How many of us have a true belief that he can remove this burden from our lives of anxiety? Sometimes it's just a wish, right? Sometimes it's just a hope, well, it would be nice if it weren't here, but... I'll just deal with it. That's not belief. That's not a resolve of who God is in your life. That's not a resolve of how good God is to give gifts to his sons and daughters. That's not a belief. That's just a hope or a wish. And guess what? God is not in the wish fulfilling business. He's not a genie in a lamp that we can just rub the lamp and say, I wish you would take this away and that it'll happen. 
Now, his grace and mercy will show up like that on times in our behalf. But true transformation comes when I believe that he has it for me. Because in that scripture, it also said that this gift of peace is a gift that the world cannot give. So let me tell you, son or daughter, you can't attain this on your own. Some of us have been striving to do this our entire lives. We've been striving to take care of ourselves based on what we have available to us in the natural. How's it working out for you? Right? Sometimes it's just the simplicity of the goodness of God that will remove these burdens from us, but I'm trying so hard to do it on my own. But I have to have a belief that it is for me. This belief in Jesus and his promise of peace to me as son or daughter has to be an absolute resolve in my spirit. So strong that no circumstance, no condition, no way that I woke up this morning will pull that away from me because I believe that it's mine. This has to be an absolute resolve that his word is truth and that he has greatness for me today in this moment that no circumstance or condition can pull it away. And the fourth step is that I have to renew my mind. Okay, Brian, I've prayed, I've released my burden, I've believed that it is for me now, so what do I do to keep this resolve in good condition? What do I do to keep this that has now become a part of me, not just something that I walk through, but a revelation experience that I have to know that he can do it again? So. New Year's is coming up in about four weeks, right? A lot of us have made some failed attempts at New Year's resolutions, Brian. A lot of us have made some promises on the start of a new year to say, okay, this is going to be a new beginning. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take hold of this thing. And a lot of that has to do most of the time, we'll say some of the time, with getting in the gym, getting our bodies in better physical shape and condition. So I'm going to change my diet. I'm gonna maybe hire a trainer. I'm gonna get that gym membership. And now I'm gonna put in the work and I'm gonna be consistent. And if you do that for six or eight months, chances are you're gonna see some real change. Agreed? Why? Because I've put in the work. I've put in the effort. I've put in the time. I've committed to make it a priority in my life. And there are some real results that happen. I've prayed, I've released the burden, and I've believed. And now, let's say I get to the end of that six months. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling revived. I'm feeling charged. What happens if you go back to those old habits immediately and stop doing everything that you just committed to? How long is it going to take for the real results to show back? Bloom. You know what I mean? It just comes right back on. That, this, is, this has been my weight loss journey right here, trying to do that. Or th- maybe this has been my gym membership. Sometimes here, gym commitment. So, it, but it, the reality is if we go back to our old habits after putting in all that work and time and effort, we're gonna get the results that we had based on the old habits. It's the same thing with the word of God. If I'm not renewing my mind, if I'm not reminding myself of the goodness of God, but, and I walk through this and allow God to do something very intentional, very direct, very personal in my life, but then I go right back tomorrow to the old habits, guess what's gonna creep right back in? That anxiety, 
that fear, that worry. Because I haven't done anything any different, guys. We have to make an adjustment. We have to make a change. So it's going to come right back in our spiritual journey the same way it would in our physical journey. But if we experience great transformation in our lives, put it this way, if you experience revelation, because here's the difference, you can have, you can have a moment with God. You can have a belief that God's good and you can walk through a season and, and you feel like God showed up. But if you go back to your old habits, then you're gonna get some of those same results. But if you allow God to do something real in your heart that, that is, anybody can remember uh, like a miraculous moment with God? Like, some t like something happened and there is no other way to explain it. There is no earthly uh, words to put to what just happened in my life. And I believe wholeheartedly that God did it and showed up on my behalf. Anybody, can, can you think of one of those moments? That moment becomes revelation of who God is. Not just change of habit, not just change of behavior, but that becomes something that gets, gets uh, ingrained in the very fiber of my being, that becomes a part of my heart that you can't take that away now. Because God showed up and now it has changed how I respond next time. We have to renew our minds. And this takes two things. When Josh Broom was here uh, a couple months ago for our um, Warrior Conference, any Warrior Conference guys in here? Warrior Conference was amazing. I had such, we're still walking through the remnants of how good Warrior Conference is. We've got 99 of you all men in this church registered and going through uh, freedom on Tuesday nights. 99, come on. We are finding who we, finding out our true identity as sons and daughters walking through freedom. And it has to do the similar principles to what we're talking about today, to getting rid of anxiousness in our lives. So Josh Broom, when he was here for a Warrior Conference, he said, if we want real change, if we desire real change in our lives, it requires two things, sacrifice and discipline. Renewing my mind requires two things, sacrifice and discipline. We have got to get in to God's word. You have to have a foundation that you can stand on that is unshakable. And the word of God is unshakable, sons and daughters. The word of God cannot be moved, cannot be pushed, cannot be knocked over. The word of God is unshakable. But if I'm not in it to know what the truth is, what am I gonna stand on? Past experience. Standing on maybe a false belief. I'm standing on a perception of somebody else in my life that because they got it, now I should get it. But that isn't a firm resolve in the one that is the solution to all of my problems. We have to continually renew our mind. We have to change our default because it's real easy. A lot of times what the, the biggest battle that we face in our lives is the battle right here between these two ears. The thoughts that just reel and reel and reel. The worst case scenarios that play out time and time again. We just allow this, 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 
mass in between my ears to take control and take over, and sometimes it paralyzes us. The word says in 2 Corinthians to take every thought captive. I want to, I want to say it right in 2 Corinthians. Take every thought, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Other words, uh, other translations say, bring it into subjection to the word of God. And what that means is that if this thought that is reeling through my mind and causing distraction does not line up with the truth that is in the word of God, then it is not a thought designed for you, son or daughter, to be carrying and reeling about. Amen? It's the simplicity of the gospel. It's the simplicity of the word of God. If that thought does not line up with the word of God, then that thought does not belong to be reeling in my mind. I talked earlier about 1 Timothy, that God gave us not a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind or sound thoughts. So you have the ability to carry sound thoughts. You have the gift because of a most high king to have sound thoughts. You have the propensity to have a sound mind and thoughts and not allow the enemy to reel these worst case scenarios in your mind that become so gripping that I can't even move. But I have to renew my mind. I have to find time to get in his word. In Romans 12, 2, the Bible says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will in your life. How many of us want that to be our testimony? That I have renewed my mind and I have approved that God's will in my life is good, that he has purpose, that he has intention, that he has a hope for my future, that he has provision for everything I'll walk through. He is a good dad. We have to know it in our soul, in our hearts and minds. We have to renew it so that we can believe it, so that that foundation becomes unshakable. And then the next time the enemy comes knocking, he doesn't have any room here. I am a son or daughter, and you can't, you can't put me in a position where I won't believe what the Word of God says. Renewing is what it says in that scripture, renewing your mind. It doesn't say you renewed your mind, now you're good. If it were a light switch and we could renew our mind, we could sell it and all be millionaires. It requires sacrifice and commitment to renew my mind on a daily basis. You know, I, there are some people that they, they get into, maybe you, you go through a season where you're in the word of God and you're understanding truth and he's speaking to you and then you stop for whatever reason, you get busy and you move on to the next thing and pretty soon, it doesn't take long, it's no coincidence that things start to seem a little more difficult, right? I'm not renewing my mind. I'm not reminding myself of his goodness. I'm not building faith through this communion with our Father. This is an ongoing hunger for the word of God. If you wanna know what this looks like, I promise you in January, we are going to go through a series that is going to passionately ignite a desire for the word of God in your life. That's just a little, that's just a little teaser right there because it's gonna be amazing.
in our 2023 mindset, sometimes we just wanna push that popcorn button and in three minutes we'll have popcorn. How many of you stop the timer when there's about five seconds left though? Like you don't even let it finish. Like there's a popcorn button, but I'm not even gonna let that thing get all the way down because I'm too anxious, I wanna have it right now. That's not what God is. He's not a popcorn button. He desires communion and relationship with us. So. As you read your word, as you begin to renew your mind or continue renewing your mind, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through what you're reading. Ask him to speak truth to you. It's not a checklist on how fast you can get through the word of God. It's a relationship for revelation on how much you can understand your true identity, son or daughter, that doesn't walk in fear and anxiety. Amen? He's a good dad. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Can you give him a hand? Because he is a good dad. Will you stand with me real quick? So Brian, I've prayed, I've released, I've believed, and I've renewed my mind. So these are steps for me to get through anxiety. Or some of you may be in here and say, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I hear you say that I am son or daughter, but I don't know what that means. And I want to give you the opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to meet Jesus firsthand. If you have never in your life given your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. There is a moment that most of us can remember that we said, yes, Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. Come in and, and, and be Lord over all the anxiety in my life. Be Lord over those conditions. Be Lord over my coming and my going, over my relationships. And if that's not you in this place, I wanna make sure that you have that opportunity because God has so many gifts for his sons and daughters. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you be real bold and just put your hand up for me right now? Just put your hand up real quick. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and we wanna pray with you. We don't wanna embarrass you. We're not gonna call you forward. We're not gonna do anything other than introduce you to a loving daddy that wants to care for you. So by show of hands, I can tell that that is everyone in this place has already done that. Praise God. Now, what we get to do is to renew our mind and walk through what this looks like in our lives. Walk through what Jesus wants to do for us. So I'm just gonna pray over you. Father, I thank you so much that you are a good dad, that you show up on our behalf, that you've never left us or forsaken us, that you've never put us out on an island and, and told us we had to figure it out on our own, but you've always given us a solution and a way out if we will come into communion with you. That is an ongoing relationship for you to show up on our behalf. You're a good dad and you have created good sons and daughters. Father, thank you for showing us who we are as lovers of God, who we are as children of the Most High King, who we are as saved through Jesus Christ. Father, we love you and we serve you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about Wellspring Community Church, visit our website at wellspringfl.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend services. We'll see you in the next episode.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about Wellspring Community Church, visit our website at wellspringfl.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend services. We'll see you in the next episode.